Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. John chapter 16, verse 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Somebody say, this is the truth. This is Jesus talking. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go, the helper, everybody say the helper, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Everybody say helper. This scripture has been standing out to me the past, I would say, week or so, at least the past several days. Um... I've been meditating a lot on the works of the Holy Spirit. I see a lot in different churches, not just churches, but people I really respect, and I think myself as well. We've put a lot of emphasis on the Father, which is fine, right? God, who set all this in motion. He hung the moon. He hung the stars. He put everything in its place. He is the one who orchestrated everything that we see now. He's the one who orchestrated Jesus coming into the world and dying for our sins in our place. God put everything in motion. He's the one who created the Garden of Eden. He created Adam, and he created Eve. Amen? Amen. I hear a lot of teaching about you know, going to God the Father and how he is a father and has a father's heart. And, and even in the book of uh, the last, uh, one of the last books of the Bible, the last couple books, I believe it's in Micah, it says he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their sons. Oh, excuse me. I believe that's in Malachi. So we hear a lot about God the Father and his heart for his people. We hear a lot about the Son. We hear about Jesus, the works of Jesus, the miracle worker, the one who died in our place for the remission of our sins, the one who died on Calvary's cross. He shed his blood for us and for our families, and redemption has happened as a result of him dying in our place. And now we have access to God the Father. The more I'm alive and the more sermons I listen to, it's kind of weird, but people, um, there's some guys that I know, they watch football games for fun and they, you know, go to games or they play video games, they do all this stuff. But for entertainment, I love watching preachers. I don't know what it is. I get entertained by watching preachers, looking at their styles and listening to them teach. I love growing. I love learning. I love feeding on the word of God for my own personal growth in my relationship with God. But I remember coming out of the front doors of CFAN, Christ for All Nations. Reinhard Bunke and his assistant at the time was Andrew, can't remember his last name. And I ran into Reinhardt and I just, I was working on a project for them and um, we began to just chat. And as I was speaking to Reinhardt, I, I, as I told him how much I appreciated him, I couldn't get the words out how much I really appreciated him. And he said to me something profound. He said, we're a, last, we're a dying breed. We're, a, we're like the last pedigree of a dying breed. And that really stood out to me. And I've been listening to his messages lately, as of late especially, because one emphasis I, I've seen Reinhardt put in his messages. He really didn't talk a whole lot about the father, certainly talked about the son, hence he was an evangelist, but he really put emphasis on the works of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. And, and so in this scripture that I'm reading, 
Jesus is talking about, listen, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, the Holy Spirit is going to be contained in simply one place and in one body. But if I go away, not only is my blood going to be spilled out, but my Holy Spirit is going to be poured out all over the earth. So that duplication can begin to happen in the earth. In other words, he said, greater works you will do because I go to the Father. In other words, listen, if I stay here, I'm going to be the only miracle worker. But when I leave here and I pour out my spirit, I'm going to have a bunch of little Jesuses, a bunch of little great I am's running around, pouring out my spirit all over the earth and miracle signs and wonders will follow them as a result of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so in this scripture, and I love it because this is not the only scripture that puts emphasis on the fact that the Holy Spirit is called the helper. Somebody say the helper. Somebody say we need help in 2020. I love going to the gym. I know you can't tell, but I really do love going to the gym and exercising. My wife says, you don't exercise. You just lift weights. I said, well, I lift weights fast, and I break a sweat. At the point that you lift weights fast enough for you to break a sweat, can we call that exercising? Sean, say amen, Sean. Show him your bicep. And if my heart starts beating really, really fast, I consider that cardio. Can all the guys who like to just lift weights and not get on the elliptical say amen to that? One of the funniest things is at the beginning of the year in January, I've, I've been going to the gym for about 15 years and I do really like lifting weights. I don't like the elliptical, don't like the Stairmaster. I don't know, it just wasn't cool. I came from Pine Hills. It wasn't cool to be like fit and skinny and you know, look like a bicycler. It just wasn't, it just wasn't, just wasn't in the cards. You know, if you kind of had a little bit of meat on you and kind of muscular and it was okay to have a little belly, that was cool, right? How many are... <laughs> So in the beginning of the year when I go to, to the gym, I can't help but notice it's jam-packed at 6 a.m. in the morning. What's really funny is me and my friends, we begin to place bets on who is going to last till February. Because you've got all these people at the beginning of the year making all these commitments, all these resolutions, only to find out that it doesn't live past February. It's really funny to me, but what's even funnier is that that might be a little practical, funny way to describe what, I really, what, what point I really want to drive across, but the, the, there's a real fact that we make resolutions in our relationship with God that we don't stick through either. There are dreams, visions, and goals that God has put in our heart even in 2019. I know a lot of times, and I may offend some, some people in this place, and forgive me because we're anything but a seeker-friendly church, there are resolutions, there are goals, there are dreams that we say, God, we're going to do this this year. And then because it didn't happen in 2019, we kind of have to hit the reset button because we didn't have the power to live out and fulfill everything God put in our hearts last year. Thank God for New Year's. I love the fact that God put, you know, um, weeks in place because, you know, if you didn't get it right last week, he gives us the opportunity to make it right the next week. And thank God for years. And that's for those of you who are like me, who are a little bit slower takes a little longer. What we didn't get right last year, we want to try to get right this year. And so I hear a lot of ministers, I hear a lot of you know, words given, even prophetic um, voices saying that 2019 was a year of preparation. It was preparing me 
for something great. And, and, I, and I do believe that. But, but can I tell you, as I always echo what Reinhard Bunke said to me, he said, God waits on you. Look at somebody and say, God waits on you. God waits on you. So this year, I want you to commit to making, to eliminating and extracting all excuses from your life that would keep you from walking into the fullness of what God has for you this year. Today, I want to preach a message called Help for 2020. And the message seems a little trendy, maybe, maybe not to some of you, but it sounds like a self-help. But the truth be told, the only person, everybody say person, that can truly empower you to walk into your destiny and into your purpose this year and see every fulfillment that God has put in your heart is the helper, and he's called the Holy Spirit. I love this scripture in the book of Acts. And again, I'm going to read quite a few scriptures. And it says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. And this is after Jesus was crucified. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Jesus commanded his disciples and his followers not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had all come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But listen to this. In other words, he just kind of just washed what they just asked and said, Listen, here's the real point. It doesn't matter when I'm coming back. This is not survival mode. We're not just trying to survive until Jesus comes back. So he, he washes all that away. He takes away all, this, all the excuses, and he says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Somebody say, you shall receive power. The only way that we are going to walk out in all of the fullness that God has for us this year is when we receive power, and that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen? How many walk, want to walk in purpose this year? How many want to see some destinies fulfilled? How many want to see some dreams that have been delayed be released from heaven? It cannot come without this central piece. It is absolutely critical that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Or we end up like these people at Planet Fitness who make commitments but have no power to follow it all the way through or to see it to the end. You shall receive power. I love this scripture. I want to read a couple more here that puts emphasis on this helper uh, word that I'm putting emphasis on. Will you allow me to do that? And it says this, and, and then we'll have some fun. In John 14, verse 15 through 18, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. Somebody say helper. He will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor even knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans or I will not leave you alone. Amen. Amen. And in John chapter 15, 26 through 27 says this. But when the helper, everybody say helper. When the helper comes, whom I shall send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and will also bear witness because I have, you have been with me from the very beginning. Number one, here's my first point. The Holy Spirit comes to empower you to prosper. 
How many want to prosper this year? Now, now be careful because when we hear that word prosper, I, I grew up in the gospel church. Well, see, when I hear that word prosperity, we automatically think money. Automatically. It's like, it's like it's just by default, we think, okay, money. But every year, God doesn't want to bless you with a Hummer. Not every single year. He may want to bless you with a Hummer. And I believe that. I believe in prosperity. I believe in being blessed till we're overflowing so that we can be a blessing to others. But there are times that God wants to cause you to prosper in your soul. Read this scripture right here. It'll be up on the screen. It says this, beloved, in, in 3 John 1, 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Does all mean some or does all mean all? All things and be in good health just as your soul prospers. There's three things that are identified there as it relates to prosperity. Number one, I've seen it used as it relates to finances or riches. But watch this. There's two other things in there. He says, I want you to not only prosper financially so that you can be a blessing, great tithing message, but it, there's more than that. There's more that can be used in this scripture other than just tithes and prosperity. He wants us to prosper and be in good health. Prosper means to, to advance, okay? It means to move forward. It means to be able to do better than what you can do in of your own strength. God wants us to prosper and be in good health. Watch this. Even as your soul prospers. How many can use a better mind? How many can use a better will and emotions this coming year in 2019? Well, that's God's desire for you. He just doesn't want you to be just healthy and wealthy. He wants you to prosper in your soul and in your spirit, man, so that he can equip you to equip others and advance in his kingdom. I wish somebody would say amen to that. All things. Everybody say all things. The Hebrew meaning, I love this, the Hebrew meaning of the word prosper means to cause to blossom. How many have wilted flowers from 2019 that you've brought into this new year? Well, God wants you to blossom. He wants you to fly. Watch this. I love this word. He wants to cause you to thrive. Do you know what? In the back room, in the green room, when we were, when we were praying, I, I, and I said this, and Reinhardt said this. I always quote Reinhardt. I love Reinhardt. He's an amazing example. Can everybody testify to Reinhardt being an amazing example to our generation? He said this, the man or woman of God who is filled with the Holy Spirit Another word for Holy Spirit is fire. That's one of his names. Wind, he's fire, he's water, he's all these different things. He said the, the man or woman of God who is filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't burn out. We burn up. Look at somebody and say, burn up for Jesus. In other words, I've seen so many people that come to me and they're so disheartened by what happened last year and the years previous and they're in survival mode, but God wants to move you beyond just surviving your Christian walk with him. We are called to thrive. We are called to move forward. I don't know if you know this. I've been reading this book called When the Heavens Are Brass. You have to know that the enemy, when the Lord assigns a promise to your life, the enemy assigns defeat to your life as well. We are not called to survive the enemy's onslaughts. We are called to advance. We're called to thrive. We're called to prosper in every season of our lives. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah. The, your roots should never wither. Your leaf shall never wither. But whatever you do, your hands are called to prosper. But it's only by the Holy Spirit's life living and breathing through you. Amen. Think about the work of the Holy Spirit, and I think we've limited it. We often talk about it's the Holy Spirit who draws us to Jesus, and it absolutely is true. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts our heart of our own sin, of our own, it makes us aware of our sinful nature. It makes us aware of our distance between us and God. But but it's not only that. Jesus did not just come for you to go to heaven. I know that you may think that. But God died for much, much more than that. That's why he quoted that in John. He said, listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. In other words, I want to die to redeem you, but I also want to die so I can empower you to advance my kingdom. How many want to advance in this season? I think about Peter. Before Jesus died, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, in the upper room. Peter was an average man walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, Jesus' associate pastor, his right-hand man. And that same Peter who did not have the Holy Spirit, but he was saved. This same Peter, when the going got tough, denied our Lord three times. But after the Holy Spirit got poured out, Peter was, he went from being an average man to a supernatural man. This is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times and then after the day of Pentecost, when in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, he stands up in a court and 3,000 men and women get saved. A man who doesn't have the Holy Spirit denies Jesus when the going gets tough, but it doesn't matter how much it, get t- it gets tough in your life. When you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, it doesn't matter hell or high water comes against you, you will advance no matter what. Somebody say the Holy Spirit thought about this and people in their survival modes and survival mode and they say, well, when, 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 I, when I'm done, I'll, you know, when I, when I leave this earth, at least I'll be called, I'll be found faithful and, and, and I'll receive my crown and I would have finished my race. And, and, and I believe the Holy Spirit is saying this to us this morning. Listen, we don't need power to run the race at the end. We need it now. We need it so we can run our marathon now. The Holy Spirit is not for our sweet by and by. The Holy Spirit is given for now. I read this quote. The less Holy Spirit we have, the more coffee and cake we will need in the church to keep it going. We think about all these programs and when God's not really moving and the heaven seems brass, we need all these accruedments to get the people going. When there's not real glory, we need lots of smoke clouds. And I really like smoke clouds, so if you want to buy one, feel free to get one. But that cannot be a replacement for the glory of God. God really wants to move in our services. He really wants to empower us as believers We're not up here trying to make a show to get people to like us. We're here to simply invite you into our prayer closets and our expression with God and our relationship with God and just inviting you to be a part of it, not the other way around, not to win people or to fill our chairs. We really want a move of God. How many want a real move of God? How how many really want a move of the Spirit in their life? Amen. I thought about this quote. I kind of made it up myself. I thought about how Christians these days, many, not all of them, there are many great Christians who are spirit-filled. I'm not knocking any one person. I've certainly been guilty about this in my own life, but many Christians, or let me say it like this, Christians without the Holy Spirit, they're like sports cars without a motor. They're nice to look at, but they're useless to the driver. We are useless without the Holy Spirit. We are meant to be containers of him. We are meant to be filled. We're meant to be used by him and empowered by him to carry out God's work. We're not meant 
to live out this life apart from him and his power because it takes a supernatural work in and through our lives to live out the gospel. Amen? Which brings me to my next point. The Holy Spirit is giving, given, excuse me, to empower you for purity. Now, how does that relate to 2020? There are things in our lives, when we walk, I know this is old school, just look straight ahead. This is old school. I'm an old soul. How many still believe in purity? How many still believe in living holy? How many still believe in living a life that is consecrated before God? I'm all cool with skinny jeans and jackets and cool music and all this new stuff we got going on, but we, it is not a replacement for purity. God still calls sin, sin. There's still a right way to live and there's still a wrong way to live. But the reason I want to talk a little bit about purity and how the Holy Spirit empowers us for purity, and it doesn't just mean outwardly. Some of us don't have ugly lifestyles. We got an ugly spirit. And we, got a, in, we have this unclean spirit about us. We talk about people. We talk behind their backs. And when we see them face to face, we call them our friends. Somebody say purity. purity. God, purify our church and our hearts. Purify us, Lord. The Holy Spirit is the great purifier. That's why the Bible says he's like a fire, because he wants to purify. And here's what I was thinking last night and this morning. If God blesses us with a certain promise in our lives and we walk impure, it lifts the umbrella and keeps God from being able to protect that which he's blessed us with. So purity is critical in the life of a believer. Because if you get blessed too soon without walking in purity, you could lose what God blessed you with and work so hard to get you to. And I'm all for grace. I'm all for grace. Somebody say grace. I'm all for that. But there's also this message that's being infused that, that they're, they're calling, what they really want to say is mercy. They're getting it mixed up because the, the epistles, one after the other, when Paul is writing his epistles, Pauline, the, the, Pauline, who wrote these epistles, he would say, this grace has been given to me. This grace, this grace. If you look at through Corinthians and all these different books, it's how he starts off his writings. What does that mean? This power. That's another way of saying this power has been given to me. This grace has been given to me to be apostle of Jesus. So grace is not a license to sin or live unholy or unrighteous. Actually, grace empowers you to live apart from that. It, it gives you the anointing. It gives you the power. It gives you the grace to live above the law of sin and death. I was going to say above the law. I kind of I saved that one real good. It causes us to live beyond our weaknesses. Amen? And God wants to bless us with things. He wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And I feel that this grace message is being preached and, and, and not, 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 not in a godly or even theological way, in a twisted way, because people are finding no reciprocity to get out of their sin, so they have to make excuse for it. Did y'all hear what I said? When a generation has struggles and they don't know how to conquer a physical addiction that they have, whether it's whatever it might be, a sexual addiction, whether it be pornography or living a lifestyle outside of God's perfect will for them, or whether they have a nicotine problem or a drug problem or whatever that problem is, when they can't kick it, they begin to make excuses for it. And you know what God's recipe is for it? The power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Spirit. I remember, 
as a young man, I've, I've been walking with the Lord many years, uh, about 18 years. I was, I was pretty young when I had my encounter with the Lord, and I'll, I'll share that another day. If you've, if you've never heard it, I had an encounter with Jesus, and the Lord transformed my life, and there was conviction of sin, and I repented of my sin, and I remember getting rid of everything that I that had owned that I knew that would keep me from God's purpose and will in my life, and I really started from scratch. I went from living on the streets, didn't know where to go after that. I just got saved, and thank God my sister brought me in, and Long story short, here we are 18, almost 20 years later. And, but I remember for years after that, after being saved and having Jesus in my heart, I still had propensities to sin. Even still years back, there were still propensities. There were still that knowing. How many know you can be saved and still struggle? You can, you can be saved. You can preach. I know preachers, so don't look at me that way. I know there's people who love God, who quote the scriptures, who can exegete, who know how to pray in the Holy Ghost, who know how to call fire down from heaven, but still have struggles. And what I found out I was lacking is I was lacking that what they call the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so I remember all these struggles. I kept hitting walls. I'm like, Lord, what is it? What is it? I remember I went to what they call a God encounter. It was with church and the sun back in those days. And I was seeking the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember going up to the altar, and it was the last day. I think it was Saturday night. Remember Sunday, we would end up going back to the church. But how many have been to a God encounter before? Several of you. So I, so I go to this God encounter. I'm seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, they're praying. They're praying for everybody, and I'm just not getting the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Lord, what is it? I've, I've, I have a clean life. It's like, am I dirty? Am I repelling the Holy Spirit? And I have to just say this right now. You, your weaknesses and your sins do not repel the Holy Spirit. They attract him. Did you hear what I said? They attract him. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. So I was like, Lord, what is wrong with me? I believe it was my faith, but there was one other element that was keeping me from getting filled. So as I begin to stand there, I have my arms open wide. I'm like, Lord, what is it? And then I, and the Lord just began to say to me, you have unforgiveness in your heart. And at that moment, I had no idea. I'm like, Lord, I've forgiven everybody who I needed to forgive. What do you mean? And then the Holy Spirit began to illuminate my mind. You did not forgive the man who murdered your father. When I was nine years old, my father was brutally murdered in the Winter Park area. He was beaten to death while he was sleeping, and there was never any justice for it. And I had unforgiveness in my heart. I remember I would carry these names around in my wallet. I, I, was, I had a lot of hatred in my heart, a lot of anger. Um, and the Holy Spirit began to minister to me. And so I'm not getting the gift of praying in the Spirit. I'm not getting the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I go up to the front, and the man acts instead of the person who killed my dad. And we went through the whole prayer. And I didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then I go home one night, and it's just a couple days later. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I have worship music playing. And all of a sudden, it was as if I was caught up in the Spirit as if I was brought in the spirit and every, the whole atmosphere of the home changed. And, I, and, and, and the anointing, you can, almost, you can almost cut it with a knife. There was a cloud of glory in my house. I know it sounds weird. This never happened to me really since. And all of a sudden, this, this unknown language began to, in other words, the, 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 the fire in my belly and God's Holy Spirit began to connect with my tongue. And I began to speak in a language I was unfamiliar with. But at that point, all those things that held me bound for so many years begin to lose its power. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is like a fire. When he consumes the life of a believer, all debris gets burned up. The Holy Spirit is attracted to trash. So if you have things in your life, if, if there's unforgiveness that's holding you back, don't allow, allow 
unforgiveness to hinder you from receiving God's precious promise to you and I. But redemption is different than getting baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? How many want to get filled? How many need a refreshing of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Third point. He gives you power to witness. Power to witness. The Holy Spirit, when he envelops the life of a believer, now what that means is not Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I love talking to some Jehovah Witnesses. When they call me, when they, when they come to me in the parking lot, I come out of the gym, I invite them to the church. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. He gives you power to witness. Again, in, in Acts 1.8, he says, but you shall receive power when that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. They were, he did not call them witnesses or even, he never even told them they would even have power to do it until the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so he says, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. And I know that applies to nobody really in here unless you have plans to go to Israel. But he goes on to say, and to the end of the earth. Which brings me to, to, to the next uh, bullet point that I want to share. We are meant to contain him, and we are meant to depend on his strength, not our own. And when we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we will have trouble sharing our faith in Jesus. If you want to see a life that is quenched, that where the fire is small, you will also see a life that has a struggle sharing with a person who's at a gas pump. I'm not saying you need to be the next Billy Graham, but when you have the fire of God on the inside of you, he is not a containable fire. You cannot keep Christ to yourself. When God has expressed his goodness to you, when his fire resides in your bones, you cannot keep this thing quiet. You, have to, you can't help but share. By default, you have to share God's goodness to people. When you see somebody sick, when the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you, it should bother you. When somebody's marriage is struggling and you know you have God's truth on the inside of you, it should bother you. When you see somebody struggling in their relationship with God, it should be difficult for you to pass that person without lending a helping hand or laying your hands on them and praying for them. Can somebody say amen to that? We are not meant to depend upon ourselves. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. I remember... In my younger years, I was really broke. And um, I remember one of the first vehicles I bought, it was a Ford Econoline. It was a van, baby blue. Looked like somebody painted it with a spray can. Y'all don't tell nobody that. Edit Facebook. I was probably 17 years old at the time. And, you know, parts would always break on this vehicle. It ended up being a really good vehicle for me, but parts would always break and we'd have to replace it. I grew up in a mechanic shop. Uh, my surrogate father, his name was Don, and uh, me and him, me and his son are best friends to this day. Grew up in a shop, and so I'd always have to repair it. And, and one day, I believe it was the power steering went out. How many have ever had one of those cheap vehicles where your power steering went out? If, if, you're, if your power steering goes out, you literally cannot, you're taking two hands, you're, you're praying you don't have to make any turns up ahead. You do not want to be on I-4 and have your power steering go out. The life without, a Holy, without the Holy Spirit is like a person's car where the power steering malfunctions. 
You all of a sudden, once you, you thought you had power, you all of a sudden don't. And everything seems to be a struggle for you. When you don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, wanting to pray through you, you can bet it's going to be hard to pray. Just look straight ahead. When we don't have the bubbling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're not going to want to be in God's house come 10 a.m. Sunday morning. When, when, when we don't have the Holy Spirit bubbling up in our hearts, we're not, when we're not filled with his fire, things that should be easy in the life of the believer now becomes difficult. Of course, it's harder to not look at certain things when we don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. You want to look at billboards and commercials that we shouldn't look at, and we want to listen to music that we shouldn't put in our spirit, man. When you have the Holy Spirit, all those things that once were difficult now become by default very, very easy because we're empowered. And God, when he, the Holy Spirit fills you, it, is, it becomes assisted power, power assisted, power steering. How many need God, the Holy Spirit, to be your power steering, to steer your life in the right direction, away from some wrong things and into some good things this year? Power to witness. Somebody say power to witness. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to read this scripture right here in, in Matthew 13, 14 through 15. Is everybody getting something out of today? Yes. Matthew 13, verse 14 through 15, it says this. First, let, let me put emphasis on this. The Holy Spirit just reminded me, I gotta go somewhere really quick. So, so to witness means not only just share Jesus. Does everybody understand that? Not just witness, it's not, the reason they, 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 Jehovah's Witnesses are called that is because they're talking about, you know, it, it gives the indication that they witnessed Jesus ascend, Jehovah's Witness, right? But to witness doesn't just mean speak about Jesus and tell about what people have done. To witness means to see. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so watch what it, watch what it says here in Matthew 13, 14, uh, verse 14 through 15. And to them... The prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and you shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For, their, for the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, least they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. You cannot have heaven's riches that are promised to you and me if you only have earthly ears to hear and earthly eyes to see. Amen. The Holy Spirit, when he empowers the life of a believer, he gives you a new set of eyes. He gives you a new set of ears. Amen? Amen. I have to preach this message. You want to know why? Because I'm tired of seeing the church of Jesus Christ cold. And the only way we're going to get hot and filled with God's passion, filled with his fire again, is if we preach what the apostles preached. And if we preach what the apostles preached, we will get what the apostles got. The dead were raised. The sick were healed. The poor had the gospel. Come on. How many want to see a real awakening in the body of Christ again? It is time and high time that we see a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But it's only going to happen when we position ourselves with expectant hearts and expectant spirits. Then we will see an awakening. I am, I, in my spirit, I know there's something about to hit the church globally. I'm not talking about just our local church. I believe that no pastor, no minister should ever just focus on their local body because God is focused on a much grander plan. 
He's focused on governments. He's focused on the United States. He's focused on South America and Asia and all over the globe. But there's about, there's about to be something that's going to happen that's going to cause a real worldwide awakening. We think Brownsville was something. We think the Azusa Street was something. God's about to pour out his spirit in great measure. As a matter of fact, Joel says, it. I believe it's Joel 2.22, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit Come on, how many can hear the thunder in their spirit, man? And you just know that you know that you know that God is about to do something great in the earth. Come on, it's, it's, it's hard to turn on your TV without seeing something is shaking. And as great and gross darkness begin to overtake, know this, that great light is about to shine as well. Because God doesn't allow darkness in the earth without the intention of shining his light. It's a great opportunity for God to shine. So he will allow great darkness to come so that he can get the glory. Amen? Hallelujah. Number four, and you can stand to your feet and I'll close. The Holy Spirit is poured out in our lives so that we can be empowered for destiny. Did you hear what I said? He empowers us for service. Now, Donnie, why would you preach a message like this? This belongs in July, you know, when it's hot and we got to eat ice cream and we can talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit. You want to know why? Because I'm tired of seeing God's people live unfulfilled lives, stopping short of their destiny. And the truth of the matter is that you and my, our, our resolutions are useless unless we put our goals, our visions in the hands of God and allow the Holy Spirit to walk this thing out in and through us. Amen? It won't stick. And God wants to empower each and every one of us, even this morning. Even this morning. I've seen so many different types of people. Two main types of people I've seen is there's people that have no power, but they have purpose. Purpose with no power. Like you, y'all see these Christians who are on fire for the Lord, but they're living purposeless lives. They, Lord, I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, or I don't know where I'm supposed to serve. I don't know where I'm supposed to work. I don't know who I'm supposed to marry. Directionless power, but no direction. And then you've got some people who got purpose with no power. They know everything that they're supposed to do. They feel called to do this, called to do that, but they can't, they can't see it fulfilled or come to fruition because they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. When you truly get a true infilling of the Holy Spirit, it's a package deal. You get purpose and power. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.